I dwell in the shelter of the Most High. I rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Your faithfulness will be my shield and rampart. I will not fear the terror of night. If I make the most high my dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall me. No disaster will come near my tent. Because you love me, says the Lord, I will rescue you. I will protect you, for you acknowledge my name. You will call upon me, and I will answer you. You will be with me in trouble. You will deliver and honor me. With long life, you will satisfy me and show me your salvation. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. Hey, church, it's great to be back with you. Some of you have asked where I've been, what I've actually been doing, and really over the last few weeks, I could summarize it as just doing three things primarily. First of which was to go for about a week with my family to New York City, where we just enjoyed time together and, and checking out a few of the sites. It was a great time to connect for us as a family together in that space. But then right after that, Beth and I took a week to put our feet in the sand as we celebrated 25 years of marriage. We passed that mark in December. Yeah, thanks. It was great to get away, just to connect and reflect on our journey together. And then prior to coming back last weekend, where I helped celebrate and send off Pastors Ben and Faith as they retired from leadership at Vida Nueva, um, I spent prior to that a, a few days out in the woods, uh, just me alone with God. Up in the north woods, um, just connecting with him. For me, that's good for my soul. It's uh, it's life-giving for me. It's a natural place of connection for me to be out in his creation and had some great conversations with him, saw some really cool things, uh, saw a number of interesting things, even saw a lot of evidence of bear, but I only got close and really close to one bear, and it was pretty close. It was like close enough to me to the TV, to this bear, and it was this particular bear that I was able to get close to, Smokey. Uh, that was the only bear I saw, um, unfortunately, but... Uh, it, as great as that time away has been, it is, it's good to be back. And I am super proud of the Heritage Ministry team for holding down the fort and especially proud of Pastors Josh and Brandon and Justin and Steve for taking us deeper into the Psalms. I mean, those guys did a fantastic job leading us into Scripture. I'm super proud. And we've got a gifted team of people who love Jesus and chase hard after Him. I, I hope that in this Psalm series, you've continued to lean into those Psalms, even maybe reading one a day. Or praying them back to God. Because it's really important for us to, to, to find time and create space and find a rhythm to tuck in next to God. To be at rest, to be at peace. To be able to do that in the complexities of this life is a gift, but it's also essential. I think we all want to tuck in next to God. We want to be under His cover and His care, but Life can be hard and the pressures and the demands can push in and we can struggle to know what it looks like to tuck in next to him, alongside him, and to be at peace and to be at rest. We, we can even struggle to know how to back out of life and just tuck in alongside under his shadow that he makes available to us. 
I think sometimes that struggle can be reflected in, in the experience that a truck driver had as he was trying to back his truck into a parking spot. This is a time-lapse video I want to show you, just the experience that he had. This, this driver was attempting to park his trailer in between two other trailers. And I don't know if it was fatigue or, or, or from a long trip or whatever, but you'll see here it's not going to go very well. He's struggling to get into the spot. He actually strikes one of the vehicles. And, and again, I don't know if it was fatigue or frustration with how the people ahead of him parked or the frustration involved. It just came along with not being able to get parked. But it gets worse. This, this unfortunate situation increasingly gets more challenging as he strikes not just one vehicle but two vehicles. And in the aggression or the frustration or whatever's going on in the space, he not only strikes the vehicles, he strikes the building. And he strikes the building not once. He actually strikes the building twice. In the complexity, yeah, I mean, this is just this crazy moment of just simply trying to pull in and tuck in. The, the, the choices and the dynamics made it all the more complicated. Kind of crazy, isn't it? But like, I share that with you because I think sometimes that can reflect the way by which we try to tuck in with God. How we try to dwell in his shelter and rest in his shadow. Well, we, like, we try something, it doesn't quite work. Or maybe we try something, we bump into a problem. We bump into a complexity of life or an obstacle. And then we kind of get frustrated. And we try to do it again and maybe get a little more angry or, or, or irritated by it. And maybe even give God the what for because it's not working the way we want. And we can even try to just force the desired outcome in our own strength and power. Or on the flip side, we bump into that complexity and say, you know what? That's not worth it. I don't need to hang out with God. I don't need to tuck in next to him. I'm out. And we just walk away. But our God wants us to tuck in next to him. He wants to provide care and covering. He wants to, under his shadow and, and under his arms, give us a place of rest and a place to heal. We just need to know how that works. How to get there. And the psalm we're looking at today can help us do that. It can help us do that. In fact, when we look at the Psalms, all the Psalms, 150 prayers of the heart written by at least seven different authors that form a collection of a collections, these things actually consistently provide us with two things. Whether we're reading the Psalms for the first time or for the hundredth time, the Psalms provide us with two things. They, the Psalms give us a reasons to cling first. This is your first fill-in if you want to track with your note guide today. The Psalms give us reasons to cling, to, to hold fast to God, to, to tuck in next to Him, to seek His face, and to chase His embrace. They give us reasons to cling, but they also give us reasons to release. To release the things that don't matter, to release the things that get in the way, or the things that distract. The Psalms give us reasons to cling and reasons to release. Reasons to cling to God, to His truth, who He is and who we are in our identity in Him. And reasons to release regret and shame and disappointment and mistakes and failures. The Psalms give us reasons to cling and to release. They, they, they don't give us all the answers to every question, and they don't solve all the tensions that we face in life. But they give us the framework by which we can cling to Him and release the things that get in the way, and tuck in next to Him and be at peace and be at rest. When we cling to the right stuff and release the things we're to release, then God actually moves in our life differently. And our ability to choose to cling and release, as He calls us, is the conditional dynamic by which he's able and willing to work in our life the way he desires. 
And as we walk through our time today and in the scripture, we're going to see that we need to do our part in clinging and releasing to be able to dwell and rest, to remain and abide, so that God can work and move as we desire and he desires. And Psalm 91 begins to point us back to that. So we're going to dive deep into that. I encourage you to grab your Bible or use your note guide or follow along up here on the screen as we go. But Psalm 91 helps us understand how to tuck in next to God. And, and to cling to him in the midst of everything we can face in life. Anything we can face in life. And the first two verses, I, I quoted the first verse. We're going to read the second verse here in a second. Those first two verses are so packed full of truth that it takes the rest of the psalm to explain what those two verses mean. So let's take a look at this. I'm going to actually follow and read out of, my script, out of the Bible here. You guys can follow here in your own Bible. But let's just, I'm going to read. You can kind of follow along as I do. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest, or another word would be abide, in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. snare that's a net that catches birds. And from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilent that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now let me just kind of hold right there. See, I, I mean, I, I love the word of God. It is essential for life. It's essential for to, us to love and to live in life. And as we dig into these scriptures, we find that they are relevant for everyday dynamics. Even unique circumstances, scripture is relevant for us. And God uses what we're reading, the things within the Bible, to speak to us, it, to all of us. And he uses all of scripture to do it. But he uses it as a healing balm for the brokenhearted men and women of this world and, 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 and to strengthen us and embolden us and guide and direct us. It is a road map for us in life. And this particular psalm that we just read was actually for me a daily psalm at one point in my life. Because God directed my attention to Psalm 91 as I was in the process of, of attending the State Police Academy in Pennsylvania and preparing to be a state trooper. It was in that space that I was wrestling with and struggling with the risks and the dangers associated with fighting evil, fighting crime, and processing what does it look like for me as a, a young man with a young family to engage in that kind of career. And it was in that space that God drew my attention to these scriptures and began to illuminate to me who he is and who I am and how I can cling to him and how I can release the stuff that gets in the way. And I began to understand more fully how to live in a way that honored him. I just want to show you what some of those things were that he showed me nearly 20 years ago. We just back up into the scripture. This fowler snare uh, being saved from that and the deadly pestilence. As a young trooper, I was thinking about, man, I can get exposed to getting stuck with a needle or, or any kind of other diseases that are out there. And, and I was, it was something that was weighing on my heart. But in this space, I felt that God was saying, look, I'm going to care for you. I'll save you from that as you are faithful and clinging to me. 
As I walk down through the scripture, there's a statement, his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. That is clear law enforcement imagery, and it resonated deeply for me. But then I got to this idea that it's the night, the day, the darkness, and midday. And in one sense, say, well, God's always moving and working. But for me, stepping into a career that involves shift work, no matter what shift I would work, early, mid, or midnights, he was there and able to work and move in that space. And if you work in shift work, you're not alone. And no matter what time of day, he can be there as you cling to him and remain in him. As I continue down in that scripture, the, you will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. I mean, like, oh, that's the description of what law enforcement does. Observe, witness, report, <laughs> but then observe the justice system work. Out of that, no disaster will come near your tent was a highlight because as a young guy, knowing a, like, maybe there could be retribution back to my family if I was enforcing the law, maybe something would come back to my wife or my boys. And, and for that, in this space, God was saying, look, I've got your family. You cling to me. All the way down to the end of that scripture, you get to the great line and the serpent. I mean, it was affirmation that there is victory over evil, over the bad guys. Now, I realize that this psalm was not written just for me or just for a law enforcement paradigm. But what I most understand is that the word of God is relevant for each of us. As relevant as it was in that moment for me as a, as a cadet in the academy. And as I walked in my career in that space. It is relevant for you today in whatever space you're in. It, this stuff was written uh, thousands of years ago for the Israelites. But the word of God is also written for us even today. And it has application for us today. And as we lean into this, I want you to be open to understanding and seeing how whatever you're facing, when you know what to cling to and how to cling to him and to release the other things, you can abide and you can rest in his shadow as you dwell in his shelter. The word of God is the way by which he speaks to us. It's the roadmap to life. Now, I realize it's not always easy to unpack, and it's not always easy to swallow what he says in here. Even considering Psalm 91, this psalm is not about the absence of trouble. Not. It's not about the absence of trouble. It's about the ability to abide in it. Did you, did you catch that? It's, it's not about the absence of problem or trouble or hardship. It's about the ability to abide and rest in his presence and his power in the midst of it. And his commitment, and we're going to see this as we continue to study, and we see this in other parts of Scripture. God's, God does not promise that, there will, that there will be, he'll remove all hardship and problem from our life. He promises that he'll be with us in the middle of it. That he'll sustain us, that he'll equip us and empower us. It's an important distinction. The, the, the Apostle Paul wrote something to the church in Thessalonica. He said, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. It's a great verse. It contains tons of truth, but on a surface look, we can think that that verse, is, uh, along with Psalm 91, that if we do A, B, and C, then God will remove all hardship and difficulty from life and we can uh, be trouble-free. That's not at all what that verse is saying or what Psalm 91 is speaking to. God does not always keep us from trouble, but he always protects us in it. He's always working and moving in it. And it's his power and strength that allows us to abide in the midst of the complexities of life. And Psalm 91 is highlighting that for us. Look, I want you to understand, a truth about God is true in every situation. 
Something that is true about God is true in every and any circumstance. It doesn't change. The truths about who he is don't change in the complexities of our experiences. The truth of who he is remains true in every circumstance. And that's actually something that we can cling to. That's actually something we can hold to. Who he is, how he functions, what he does, what he expects. We cling to those things that allows us to navigate the complexities of life. I want you to think about it this way with me, and you can draw this if you like in the box in your note guide. You and I, we live in a fallen world, but there is a way for us to walk and move in this life where we can experience peace and joy in all of its complexity, but that is found under his shadow, and it's under his shadow is the place that we abide. This is how we navigate life with uh, dwelling in a shelter Resting in his shadow. It's as we abide. Now, the ability to abide is contingent upon a couple of things. One is knowing who he is. The, the, the reality is there are truths about who God is. A truth about God is true in every situation. A fact about him is a fact in, in every scenario. And there are truths about him that when we know them by our experience, by our relationship with him, or from his word, when we know them, then we can step into the, the stuff of life, the hard stuff of life, the complex things, the pain, the sorrow, the loss, even the opportunities and the good stuff. We can step into those things and navigate them as we cling to the truth of who he is. When we cling to truth, we can enter into the stuff of life where we can release that hard stuff as we cling to the truth of who he is. Because the truth of who he is is true in every scenario. This is how we abide, holding to truth, holding to who he is. Most of the time, however, though, people want to start by walking in the stuff of life. We just go about our business in life, and then we encounter something that is complex, and then we run back to him for the truth to navigate the stuff and to be able to go back into the stuff of life. This has some value because it is true. The problem is this is not relational and, and this is on our terms and it actually consolidates clinging and releasing all in one spot. In many ways, this is kind of like trying to back the piggly wiggly truck into the narrow spot. It's like, I'm going to do it on my terms the way I want, and it's in my own strength that I'm going to do this. But many people start with the stuff of life, run to God in the problems, and then go back to the stuff of life, when in reality, he wants us to cling to him, rest in him, so when we experience the stuff, we can continue on in the truth of who he is. That dynamic is an expression, an extension of trust. When we actually live in this space, we end up in an unending pattern of run and return. It's like we go out into the world, we've kind of a problem, and we run back and return to him. As opposed to what he invites us to, which is a posture where we remain. And remaining is abiding. Listen, maybe think about it this way. God, he is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. And he's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. All-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere all the time. Let's just take all-knowing, omniscient. He's wise. Paul calls him the only wise God in Scripture. Job says that, that all wisdom and power belong to God. In, in Psalm 147, it says that his understanding is infinite. So, so God is wise. So when we take that attribute of who he is and we cling to that principle, 
We cling to him as wise. When we step into a scenario that we don't understand, that we can't make sense of, that surprises us, that jumps out of us, we can release that as we cling to the fact that he is wise. He is all-knowing. He sees. He is, he is Elroy, the God who sees us, the God who sees you. It's holding to truth that allows us to navigate the stuff as we cling to truth. We release the complexity. When I was a kid, we used to play a game called Ghost in the Graveyard. Anybody ever play it, hear it before? Okay, it's not the best theological name, but it's a fun game. Because you'd take a group of people, they would hang out at a base, and this is a, it's basically a big game of tag at night. They'd hang out at a base, you'd pick one person who's it. That person would go out into the woods or out into the alley or down the side of the house, and they would hide. And after a certain amount of time, the people at the base would then move out in the direction of the field of play, and they would be required to move until the person who was it jumped out and began to tag people. As soon as they jumped out, everybody would yell, ghost in the graveyard, and begin to run back to the base. And anybody who made it back to the base was safe, but anybody who got tagged by the person who was it became part of his team moving forward. And they continued to that cycle until there was one person on base and everybody else is out hiding in the woods. It was a fun game, maybe a little bit creepy, but it was fun. We just kind of wander out, then run back. Now, I share that with you because I think that can reflect how we try to chase abiding with God. We, we walk out into the world until something jumps out of us, and then we run back to base, hoping to get back to it safe in time before we get tagged. And then we head back out into the world, back into the darkness, and then we bump into something that freaks us out, and we run back and try to get back to base and get safe before we get tagged. But that's not what he asks us to do. That's not what he wants us to do. He actually wants us to abide with him, remain with him, walk with him, Stay in step with him. Follow his lead. So when something jumps out of the darkness in this life, we don't have to run. Because we're already on base. That's the difference between running and returning and remaining. When we, when we cling to the truth of who he is, when the stuff of life jumps out at us, we can release that and pass through as we cling to who he is. It's remaining. It's not that run and return. And, and hear me, that doesn't mean we don't struggle here. It doesn't mean we don't doubt or wrestle. It means we don't run. We remain because we're clinging to who he is. Jesus once said, uh, in this world you will have trouble. He said, it's just a fact. You're going to have trouble. And, and, and the more you can read scripture and dig into scripture, you will see that God does not promise the absence of problem or pain. What he promises, and what we're about to see in Psalm 91, is he promises to be with. To be with those who cling and release. Cling to him and release the stuff that gets in the way. Let's go back to Psalm 91, verse 1 for a moment. It says, he who dwells, who clings, who remains in the shelter of the Most High, will abide, rest, in any complexity, in the shadow of the Almighty. When we remain and cling to him, we will abide. We will rest in the shadow. It's a cause and effect dynamic. Jesus, on his way to uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, actually not shortly before being crucified, he was walking with his disciples and he was sharing some, some final teaching with them. And one of the things he said in John 15 was simply this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying, look, if, if, you, if you cling to me, you remain in me, man, 
We will bring forth great things in your life, through your life. There will be fruit. It doesn't mean there isn't pain with the fruit or problem. It means as you cling and as you release, as you remain, there will be fruit. Don't get caught up in the challenges associated with it. See, I think I continue to bring this back because I think many people think that if I, if I remain, if I cling, then there won't be any problems. And if we think that way, when we encounter a problem, well, then we start to question God. We begin to doubt. It happens when, when the parent who remains in God watches their child struggle. Or the person who is remaining in God sees a loved one die. <laughs> or a person who is trying to remain in God, loses their job or watches their hope or dream get crushed. If they think that remaining means no problems, then they think the problems are like God failing or some kind of breakdown in the system. The reality is God didn't promise no problem. He said, I'll be with you in that problem. I will sustain you. I will guide you. I will direct you. I'll, I'll be there as long as you remain. Don't run. And when you and I understand how to cling and release... We find the ability to dwell in his shelter and then we experience the ability to rest in his shadow, regardless of what we're facing in life. If we don't understand that, we can end up being the person who tries to ram the trailer of our lives into what we think should be the outcome in our own strength. But Psalm 91 reminds us and says, look, there is an ability to abide in the trouble when it comes. And it will come. But when it comes, remain in me and you'll be able to rest in me. One of the reasons I really like and appreciate the Psalms, and I think why they resonate so fully for so many people, is that they remind us of what is in whatever is. <laughs> they remind us what is in whatever is. And that may, may not be the best crafted sentence, but I think it captures and communicates the point that no matter what we face, something easy or something hard, something we think is good or something we think is bad, those psalms, the word, remind us of what is in whatever is. A truth about God is true in every situation, and the psalms remind us of what is in whatever is. And this life can be difficult. It can be complicated. There's pressures. There's demands. There's tragedies. There's hardships in it. But his word reminds us what is in whatever is. That's one of the reasons why every so often it's helpful for me to pull away, get out in the woods, and just hang with God alone. It's in that space and time for me, being exposed to the elements, uh, being in the beauty of his creation, the, the silence and simplicity of that space. It's in that space that he reminds me of what is in whatever is. It's in that space that he reminds me of who he is and who I am in front of him. And as I'm reminded of those things, now I'm better positioned to cling and release to remain and abide. The beauty of that is we don't have to go to the woods to experience that. That's just one place that works well for me. We can actually experience the reminder of what is and whatever is when we engage in a habit of quiet time with him. When we engage in a rhythm of prayer. When, when we Set aside time for personal devotions, morning or night, whatever works for you. It's creating this space to be reminded of what is and whatever is so that we can cling and release. That we're not in a pattern of run and return, but in a pattern and a posture of remain. It's part of what it means to sit in a space and know him. We can read these scriptures 
in, in Psalm 91, as we start to think, so what do we do with this thing? And a so what thing. Psalm 91, the end, the beginning and the end are the keys to the whole conversation. They're the, they're the what and the how dynamic. And we can actually look at Psalm 91 and, and we can kind of on the surface think, well, if I do certain things, then bad things won't happen to me. But as we already talked about, that's not how it works. That's not how God designed his relationship dynamic with us. We can think that he's out there always blocking remotely the junk of life, but that's not what he's doing. It actually, on a closer look, what he says is something better. Because what he says is that he will walk alongside. That he will be with. The most high almighty God is shelter and shadow and refuge and fortress in whatever we face. I think we all want to get parked safely in and tucked in next to him. We want to experience his care and his covering. But we can miss the mark when we're trying to do that. We can even get frustrated in trying to do it and force something into a difficult situation. But when we understand how to cling and how to release, we can remain and abide. We remain and abide. We cling and release when we spend time with him. When we hold to his promises, we cling to his promises when we release shame and regret in the shadow of his forgiveness, when we trust him in the unknown and the uncertain because he is wise, when we hold to what is true about him even when life is screaming a different narrative, it's in that space that we rest and remain and we abide. And there is power in a relationship of trust where there is clinging to who he is and a releasing of everything that gets in the way. Many of you may engage in those practices and habits that allow you to cling and remain. I encourage you to continue that. Maybe add a new one. If you're not engaging and creating space to be alone with God, I encourage you to create that space so that you know what to cling to and you know what to release. You may be thinking, well, is it really just that simple? And that's fair enough to ask that question because we haven't finished the psalm. So let's actually get to finishing this psalm because in verse 14 we find a voice change. We've been listening to the psalmist speak, but now we're going to hear God speak. So look with me in verse 14. Because he or she sisters, this does not exclude you. This is all the children of God. Because they hold fast to me in love because they cling I will deliver them. I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. There is relationship, there is proximity, there is an abiding. When he calls to me, when, when he reaches out to me, when he clings to me and releases everything else, when he calls to me, I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I will, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I will make them see my salvation. This, these last few verses are filled with important truth about the power of God at work for those who are willing to cling and release, those who are willing to remain. And they tell us our part. Look specifically at this. We just highlight the realities. When we hold fast to him, we cling to him, he delivers. He protects when we call out to him, when we know his name, when we stand in proximity relationship. When we call out, he answers, he'll promise to be with, there is rescue, there is honor, there is satisfaction, and a showing of salvation, of life, of rescue. This is 
who God calls us to be. It's who God positions us to stand in proximity to him with. And his salvation is available through Jesus and Jesus alone. I mentioned when we first started leaning into this that, that the rest and shelter dynamic of what God offers to, to us is conditional. The ability to dwell and rest is conditional. It's based on us doing our part, clinging and releasing, abiding and remaining. And, and Psalm 91 contains insight that allows us to release complexities of life, whether it's illness, whether it's hardship, whether it's a loss, a, a regret, a shame. We can release that stuff and instead cling to him who saves because of who he is. He satisfies, he rescues, he hears, he answers, he saves, but he saves through Jesus. His path of salvation is only through Jesus. When we read the Psalms, it tells us the thoughts and perspectives of God. It tells us how he thinks. It tells us how he might respond in any number of situations. The Psalms also remind us kind of the ups and downs of life and things that we can experience. And they tap into every emotion, joy and victory, sorrow and in sin, Anger at injustice. But in the midst of that, Psalm 91, these 16 verses, give us a context for how God saves. And it points specifically to two realities. First is simply that Jesus is our shelter. The salvation, the rescue that, Je that God offers is simply through Jesus. He is our shelter. He, he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. And it's through him that we can exchange fear for faith and we can cling and release and we can remain in a space where he moves because he is our shelter. Because he's our shelter, there's actually a place that we can go in life where we experience peace and provision and joy. Even when life seems to be going sideways, we can rest and remain in the complexities of life because of Jesus. Even when we face disease, even when we face hardship, again, or loss or any regret or sorrow or disappointment, he is our shelter. Because when he's our shelter in that space, those things don't have to define us. And we become more than conquerors in those space and we can overcome them in his power by his presence. He is our shelter, but he is also our deliverer. He's our deliverer. He's the rescuer. He's the protector. He satisfies. He saves. The Lord shows his salvation through Jesus. He doesn't always protect from problems, but he always protects us in those problems. And because Jesus is our shelter, we can cling to him. And because Jesus is our deliverer, we can release all the stuff in this life that drags us down. Shelter and deliverance. You know, those two things, shelter and deliverance are never anything we can demand from God. It's not something that we earn from God. It's not something we can force. The only way we can experience shelter and deliverance is through Jesus. We have to ask for it. We have to receive it from him. If you are someone who's wanting that shelter and deliverance, on the back of your note guide are some simple steps for how to step into a relationship with God where we can rest in his shadow, where he is shelter and he is deliverer. That only comes through Jesus. And there's an opportunity for you today if you've never done this, to pray a prayer that's on that note guide that allows you to step into a space where you dwell in his shelter and you rest in his shadow, clinging and releasing. Many people try to do that by being good, by being a good person, maybe even saying nice things 
to God or trying to say less not-so-nice things around God. Maybe even helping the elderly across the street. And those things may be desirable, may be good, but they are not the things that get us into this space where we rest in his shadow. The only way we get to that space is as we cling to him as Savior. We cling to him and who he is, and we release the stuff of this world. My invitation and hope for you today is that you would know where he's calling you to cling and where he's calling you to release. That you're not living in a pattern of run and return, run and return, but that you're in a pattern and posture of remaining. Clinging to who he is, the truth about who he is. So when the complexities of life come, you can release that stuff and continue forward clinging to him, resting in him, remaining in him. If you don't know what you need to cling to or release right now, you're not really sure, create enough time and space to ask him. Ask him what he wants you to release. Ask him what he wants you to cling to. Ask him to show you who he is. He will. He says, I will show myself to you. If you will remain in him, trusting in him. This relationship of trust is powerful, man. It's how we navigate the complexity of life. If we're just using him as a, as a tiny little narrow spot to park in when we've got a problem once in a while, we're missing the point. But whenever we remain, when we dwell in his shelter, we rest in his shadow. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you are not only a God who is all-knowing, full of wisdom and understanding, but you are a God of love and you're a God of patience. And you desperately long for each one of us to come to you and tuck in and park in next to you under your care, under your cover, and to dwell in your shelter so that you can lavish your love upon us as we rest in your shadow. Father, I pray that each of my brothers and sisters here today, as they process this conversation and look at your word and talk with you about what they need to cling to and what they need to release, God, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you'd give them courage and boldness to step into that relationship with you further so that they can live in the freedom that it brings. That they wouldn't be in a pattern of stepping out into the darkness and then having to run back to base, but that they would be in a space where they're already safe, already resting and abiding in you no matter what pops up in front of them. So Jesus, may you speak, may you lead. You are the way, the truth, and the life. There is, there is no way to the Father except by you. So today, may we celebrate that, acknowledge that, receive that, and live in the fullness of what it means to rest in your chateau as shelter and deliverer in our lives. We love you. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.